everything. I just want y'all to know I've still got my old bench press up in our house, second floor, playroom, and weight room up there. And, and I use that thing still to this day, like twice a year or something, whether I need to or not. And it, it, you can tell I don't use it too often. I went Friday, Chris Self took the youth to Terrapin Creek where you float down on the kayaks and everything. I went, and a lot of the youth right off the bat were laughing because for some reason my kayak was sitting a lot lower in the water than everybody else's. I don't know what the problem was. I had flat tires on the back of that kayak. Alyssa, though, she is like, Gail does know that how high that cliff was you jumped off of. Did they not know that? Like a 120-foot cliff. Alyssa, I mean, she climbed up knocking boys out of the way to get up there the highest. Did like a full somersault and swan dive. I mean, it was awesome. We had a good time. She really did. She jumped up way off the highest point. But anyway, we had a good time. But no, I don't use that bench press too often. I want to talk about encouragement this morning. And my sermon took a different turn, as oftentimes they do. Um, Tyler and I both know a lot of times as preachers we... We try to sermonize our sermon. We do the best we can and we get a direction. But then oftentimes, as things happen even in our own lives, it seems like God God makes us go deeper and it comes out different. And that's the case with this one. But the title of the sermon is Much Needed Encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement. Uh, we've all been on the receiving end of it and also the giving end of encouragement. I hope all of us have been. I find, too, that some people seem to just be better at giving encouragement. I, I believe the Holy Spirit actually gifts some in the body of Christ to be have a spirit of encouragement. Just It just seems like every time you're around them, you leave and, and you're encouraged. I, I think some people have that gift, but obviously all of us should encourage one another. Four weeks this summer, we've had something we call fight. Wednesday night was the last night that we fought together. Fight stands for... Uh, focus intentionally on God, home, and truth. So we've been talking about family and, and relationships and uh, words of encouragement to your own family members, whether it be a spouse or to your children, can actually change the environment in your home. Emotionally and psychologically and spiritually, encouragement has that kind of power on us. But what I want to share with you, and I ended up leaving out one of the scriptures as the change went through the week, and I uh, but, but I want to share some words of scripture that I pray and believe that will encourage you. And you're familiar with some of them. My hope, though, is that some things maybe will be revealed in this message, maybe to you, to help you, help you and I to look at the positives in our negative situations. Because we all, we live in this world that's fallen. We have negative situations. But I find that when we look at the encouragement that the living God can give us, it helps us to see things positive. And work through them. And so, uh, begin by sharing something with you humorous. I just looked on the internet a couple of things. But, you know, we say the phrase, this too shall pass. Someone said, this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it'll pass. Another one said, never be afraid to try. Never be afraid to try. Remember, amateurs built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. So, you can think about that one a minute. Tell the negative committee. The negative committee, tell the negative committee that meets in your head to sit down and shut up. In John, the 16th chapter, Jesus began to tell the disciples. He'd already been telling them, but they still didn't quite get it, and they didn't even after he died. But he kept telling them, I've got to die. 
so in John 14, 15, and 16, he began to describe to them some details about it. I've got to go away. And so in, in the context of John 16, Jesus said words like, A little while, and you will not see me. And again in a little while, and then you will see me. Because I go to my Father. And y'all know they don't fully understand all this, so they began to question among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you'll, you're not going to see me, but then a little while you will see me, and because I go to the Father, what is it he's trying to tell us a little while? And why does he keep talking about he's got to go away? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and so he asked them, and he says to them, are, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and, and you won't see me and again in a little while, and and you won't see me. He didn't ask them to answer it, and they didn't. It was a rhetorical question. He already knew what they were thinking. He's like you and I. He knows what we're thinking. But after asking that, he explains a few things, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So he's honest with them. You're going to sorrowful, you're going to weep, you're going to lament, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Then he gives a description of a woman giving birth. He says, a woman when she is in labor, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And ladies have experienced that and I've been in the room and Dave and Audra were born and now we got two grandchildren and I've seen my daughter Audra be in lots of pain and but and some of you know exactly that feeling and but then when that baby's born it's just such incredible joy and so Jesus is describing a joy in the midst of weeping a joy that can come he, he then, then says therefore you now have sorrow but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy, no one, no one will take it from you. So there is a joy that is found only in a personal relationship with Jesus that you cannot obtain from anyone else. Even though we should encourage, and we do, but there's just a joy that can only come from Jesus Christ. Now, after saying all of this, I'm setting up to the scripture that I want to look at first. Jesus has just said all this and talked to the disciples in John 16. And then there's the verses up on the screen, John 16, 31 and 33. Jesus answered them and he said, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. For these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I've already mentioned joy, and as you read that, some of you may be thinking, well, this doesn't sound too encouraging. Because Jesus is talking about you're going to be scattered. And in this world, just letting you know, you're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some tribulation. 
One of the first things, and I've already mentioned joy, but there's three other powerful reminders here in this text. Jesus is being honest and he spoke the truth. In this world you will have tribulation. But here are three very powerful, important reminders. He did tell them, I, I am not alone. Say that out loud, I am not alone. as children of God I'm never alone because the Father is in me Jesus said as children of God we are never alone now we may experience loneliness some of you know that you have but you'll never be alone if you're a child of God never a while back I had a, a daughter call me an adult daughter she had lost her mom her mother died and uh I've had this happen at every church, a similar conversation. But she called me, and the daughter did, and she said, I felt so bad that I was not there by mother's side when she died. She said, Mama died all alone. And I knew what she meant, and some of you may have experienced that too. You weren't there for somebody. And I, I let just a few a little bit of time go by, and I, I thought, Lord, do I say something? And the right opportunity, I said to her, I said, your mom was not alone. I said, she had three, three other persons with her at the moment of her death. And she first looked at me kind of puzzled, and then I, I think it kind of registered with her. And I said, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they were with your mom. It's true. And that is a, a reminder to all of us, even though we may experience loneliness, even though we may experience tribulation. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. As sons and daughters of God, you will never be alone. Jesus said, I'm not alone. The Father is with me. And now we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are with us. I encourage you from the words of Jesus. I hope you'll realize I am never alone. Another thing that Jesus said in me, in the middle of saying, you're going to be scattered, you're going to weep, uh, but he said in me, that's important, in me you may have peace. He had already told them in John 14, same time he's talking with them about his death, he tells them in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So that's the second power, third powerful thing. We have the joy of God. We have this assurance and this confidence. I'll never be alone. And then now he says, Harvey and me, you will have a peace that will surpass all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We know that from Philippians. In me, in me you have an encouragement. In me you have such a peace that the world can't give, but I can give to you. The fourth thing that he says, even in the midst of saying, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So again, that word gives us confidence. It gives us assurance. It gives us an eternal hope. 
that in the midst of whatever is going on, we can have cheer knowing he's overcome everything. He's already got it covered. He's already taken care of it. So in him we have joy. We're never alone. In him we have peace. And we, because he has overcome the world, we do have that cheer. Passage I read earlier, the words of grace this morning, are from Romans 8.31. I want to read also verse 32. Some of you probably have Romans 8.31 on your refrigerator or maybe there on the mirror in the bathroom. I highly recommend it. It's a great one. Romans 8.31 and 32 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I preached a funeral a couple of weeks ago. Some of you were there at the funeral, and I know the Chandlers were. They knew this lady very well, uh, Miss Elizabeth Marbot. She was a member out at Hoax Bluff, and uh, she had written down five scriptures, and one of them was Romans 8.31. And on it, she had my name. Ricky, the oldest son, sent me a picture of what Miss Elizabeth had scribbled down. Harvey, five scriptures. And she has four sons, and she also put, if my four boys want to say something, they can Boy, you're talking about pressure. So they, they said something at her funeral. So I'll give you the visuals. We're there, and the boys, the sons are my age now. Their mom was 84 years old. And uh, they got up, and they said, you know, we're kind of pressured by mom. I mean, we've got to stand up and say something. So all four of her sons stood up around the podium, and the oldest two shared some words. But the uniqueness about that is that when her husband, had just turned 40. He tragically died. And so Elizabeth raised four boys, three teenagers and a seven-year-old. Now, I don't know if at the moment that happened that she quoted, if God be for us, who can be against us? But I do know that the sons said this, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, mother never complained about after daddy died. Or at least we never heard it. She trusted God and she kept her faith and she taught us to do the same. Now let me tell you how well Lana and I knew this lady. We were very close to her. Uh, she was like a mom and I've been blessed. I'm telling you and I'm saying this as a word of encouragement. You don't know how encouraged I am by the people that I pastor. And I see how they get through stuff. And I just enjoy them. Miss Elizabeth invited me over to her house. This is back several years ago. Hey, come get some pecans. She had some huge pecan trees out in the yard. And so I brought two or three five-gallon buckets thinking I was going to be picking up pecans. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to, you know. Well, I got there. She said, what are you doing in buckets? I said, well, I'm going to get some pecans. We've already got them. I said, well, okay. I'll take them and have them cracked, and then we'll shell them. No, no, no. Get out here to the freezer. She had already shelled every one of them pecans and put them in gallon bags and gave me two gallon bags. There was not a chip in there. It was complete halves. I said, well, Miss Elizabeth, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take you good pecan. No, take them. And she said, here, here's a sack. Don't y'all like squash? And she was reaching in there pulling stuff out of the freezer and green beans, don't y'all eat them and putting them in there. And I said, no, no, no. She said, hush, take it. And I looked over in there and said, well, you haven't got any T-bone steaks in here, have you? You know, and she, hush. And now, you're just like my boys. But Lana and I were blessed to have that relationship with her. And, and uh, 
God be for us. But who can be against us? So I learned that not only from her, but many people I pastored. I've watched them cling to that. That was a child with a king. They had his joy. They had his peace. They were not alone. Little or no assurance is one of the most substantial problems oftentimes facing believers sometimes. But I pray today that you'll reclaim who you are. This passage and these passages we're talking about, they affirm assurance and therefore it has much to say to the issue of our perseverance and our encouragement in the Christian life. Some believers, though, sometimes are not confident in their salvation because they're just not fully convinced of the person and the effective work of Christ, nor were their disciples. I mean, Jesus was trying to get them to understand that too, so we're that way as well. But remember this. Remember that our assurance rests on what Christ has done for us, not on what we may do or may not do in Christ. Our confidence is in who He is. Our hope and our peace and our joy is in the relationship we have Him. That's where we get the encouragement, is in Him. Like Jesus said, I am not alone, for my Father is in me, and we too have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another scripture that she chose at her funeral was Isaiah 40, 31. Again, some of you may have this on the refrigerator. If you don't, I recommend it. You'll recognize it. Isaiah 40, 31 on the screen. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I just shared with you about Elizabeth Marr, but let me tell you about her sister, who was 101 years old. Her sister, we called her Aunt Frances McLeod, did not have any children. She kept her sister for eight years, Miss Marbert did. So if you got the picture, you got it? Two sisters I'm telling the story about. I just buried the other one about two weeks ago. Her sister, 101, died about three or four months ago. But Elizabeth had kept her the last eight years of her life. This is the scene of Miss, uh, Miss McLeod. I got a phone call. This is going back. She was 93 years old. So this is going back about 10 or 11 years ago. Hey, Miss Francis has fallen down her steps in her basement. I uh, just want to let you know I'm a neighbor. I'm here with her. We called the medics. I got there before the medics were there. And walked in. She was still doing her own washer and dryer, which were down in the basement. But she fell down that flight of steps. She was laying at the bottom on the concrete floor. When I got there, I knelt down beside her. There was blood from a head injury and glasses were broken and contusions. And she was in horrible, horrible pain. I didn't know at the time turned out what hit. She crushed her shoulder, had some broken ribs, 93 years old. She's laying there and there at the bottom of the steps. I knelt down beside her. I said, oh, Miss Francis, I'm so sorry. And she's moaning. And so I just quietly said a prayer. I don't know exactly what I said, but I do remember what she turned and told me when I got through praying. She's laying there, and she rolled over and looked at me, and she said, Preacher, it could be worse. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't think it could be. I didn't tell her that, but I mean, you know, it was. But I had heard her say that statement many times before. Her husband, an admiral in the Navy, had died many years and never had any children. But I'd heard Miss Francis say, it could be worse. I've used that for myself sometimes, and I remember her saying that to me. And by the way, that was the last time she lived in that house. She never could go back to that house. Her injuries were 
tough enough and at that age that she lived and had a clear mind and lived with her sister, Miss Elizabeth Marvin, for the next, until she was 101. I say again all of that to say, watching them live their lives in Christ has encouraged me, as have many of you. I thank God. So that the encouragement to me sometimes comes from just living in this world where we do have tribulation, but we see others in the relationship with Christ get through it. Because it, it, it could be worse. God be good to me. And you can be good to me. I'm never alone. And I know that in Christ I have joy and peace that the world doesn't even know. But you and I do. I pray that today you'll be encouraged by these words. We're not alone. We have his joy. We have his peace. We have his word that we can be cheered in the midst of the fact that he's overcome the world. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Those who wait, those who wait are those who trust in the Lord. Those who wait are those who worship the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord are those who come to his house and keep the Sabbath. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I pray that the Spirit of Christ will encourage you Let's pray together. God, we love you today. I thank you, God, for the story of these two ladies that have just living their lives have helped encourage me. And I thank you, God, for their, I'm so blessed to be around the body of Christ and, and see people live their lives in joy and peace in the midst of tragedy. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your power. And thank you, God, for reminding us today that we are children of the Most High God. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for this assurance. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. Let's stand together.